While all eyes have been on the Ukraine-Russian situation, a leader summit took place in Brussels that helps to seal the fate of millions of those in Africa. Why should we care? Because it's the latest brick in the wall of the foundation of the New World Order. We'll cover the history and project the lines into the future of what this means for freedom lovers around the globe in this episode of Analysis Behind the News, where we provide the perspective and the plan to save American freedom and independence. The first question you might want to ask is, where have I heard of these leaders' summits before? Knowing that free trade agreements are a globalist tool to hopelessly entangle countries economically and politically, North American trade agreements have made advances largely with the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, as well as the newest United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement, USMCA. A larger free trade agreement was proposed just after NAFTA was signed in the 1990s. It was called the Free Trade Area of the Americas, or FTAA. In fact, the website created to promote it is still accessible. According to the site, the FTAA sought to unite the economies of the Americas into a single free trade area. This would have included 34 countries ranging from the three North American countries and all countries in Central and South America. The results of this integration would have been disastrous for Americanism, as the Americas would have followed a similar European Union plan that entangled the once sovereign nations of Europe. Unfortunately, many Republicans have rarely met a trade agreement they didn't like. But once members of the John Birch Society organized against the FTAA and exposed the plot of this integration, the FTAA was defeated. Many of the Republicans don't understand the fight that they are involved in. The globalists seek to merge countries under a world government. Think of it as the EU on steroids. Every entangling alliance our country joins, there is a slice of sovereignty that gets lopped off. Additional bureaucracy is created, and decision-making is pulled away from Congress, where it should be, and given to regional governmental bodies that operate outside of our constitutional framework. Anyone advocating reigning in the federal government needs to understand the whole scope of the battle. No amendments or tinkering of the Constitution addresses this globalist attack on our country. Anyway, back to the Leader Summit. Another merging scheme under the guise of trade was the Security and Prosperity Partnership, or SPP, that President George W. Bush and his counterparts in Mexico and Canada were pushing, which would have moved integration further along of the three countries, even beyond NAFTA. Once again, the John Birch Society exposed this as another globalist tool to create a North American Union similar to the European Union. Mexico's President Vicente Fox even said as much in a 2002 speech in Madrid. We reported his comments in The New American in September of 2004. He said, Our long-range objective is to establish with the United States, but also with Canada, our other regional partner, an ensemble of connections and institutions similar to those created by the European Union. We also published this in literature JBS members distributed to others to help expose the plot. As we and others ramped up this exposure, other so-called conservative groups denounced it as a conspiracy that we had hatched. 
the Heritage Foundation led this asinine charge while we pointed to a government website, spp.gov, that proved exactly what we were saying. Eventually, the pressure became too great and that website was taken down. At each of the annual leadership summits held by the three North American leaders under the SPP, they faced intense questioning from some in the media and the Patriot grassroots in both the U.S. and Canada. By 2008, the SPP was renamed as the North American Leaders Summit and continued every other year until Trump stopped it. However, Biden reinvigorated it last year. So Bush then moved on from trying to create a North American Union to laying the groundwork for a transatlantic union that would rope the U.S. into some type of integration with the European Union. The John Birch Society also blew the alarm on that one in 2008 and even up through last year. The globalists just don't want to quit, and neither can we. The Globalist Promoting World Politics Review reported last week that a sixth leaders summit between the African Union and the European Union was taking place in Brussels, the headquarters of the EU. WPR said the AU-EU summit is often touted as the ideal venue for European and African elites to discuss issues of mutual concern. But this one is particularly significant as it provides the opportunity for both sides to unpack the new EU strategy directed toward Africa, which was launched in 2020. Now let's realize that these summit leader meetings are where the government elites report on what working groups have accomplished throughout the year. This new EU strategy that WPR mentions is a 19-page document detailing the EU vision of how Africa should be engineered. On page two of the document, it lists the many positives that are occurring on the continent, but then it lists several challenges, including those that perhaps are stereotypical of when one hears mention of the continent, especially in way of poverty. Now I'll read the paragraph and watch where it goes. Listen for the globalist keywords. At the same time, a number of challenges remain. 36 of the world's most fragile countries are in Africa, often weakened by conflicts. The continent hosts 390 million people living below the poverty line. Growth has not always been inclusive, notably due to governance challenges. Africa, as the rest of the world, is also affected by the consequences of climate change, environmental degradation, and pollution. The EU and Africa can work together to seize the opportunities and address these challenges and develop actions that ensure stability, peace, security, human rights, democracy, gender equality, sustainable livelihoods, sustainable economic growth based on healthy ecosystems, social cohesion, and good governance. In other words, we'll help you re-engineer your culture and your government to remake it into some extremist green model. The next paragraph is telling. To benefit both continents, our partnership should be based on a clear understanding of our respective and mutual interests and responsibilities, reflecting the comprehensiveness and maturity of our relationship. These interests include developing a green growth model, improving the business environment and investment climate, boosting education, research and innovation, 
the creation of decent jobs and value addition through sustainable investments, maximizing the benefits of regional economic integration and trade, ensuring food security and rural development, combating climate change, ensuring access to sustainable energy and protecting biodiversity and natural resources, promoting peace and security, ensuring well-governed migration and mobility, engaging together on the global scene to strengthen the multilateral rules-based order, promoting universal values, human rights, democracy, rule of law, and gender equality. Notice the mention of multilateral rules-based order. These globalists are using the carrot and stick method here to entice closer integration to ensure this entangling alliance keeps the countries of Africa beholden to the EU. And again, notice the terminology of sustainability, universal values, democracy, biodiversity, etc. These are all topics greatly promoted by the United Nations and are mentioned throughout its publications as reasons to be involved in its extreme Agenda 21-2030 project, as well as the Paris Climate Agreement and its various charters and declarations that actually help to rewrite the founding documents of a country. You'll find similar language in the Canadian Charter, the very same one that allows for government limitations on fundamental rights. So far, Americans have been able to retain their founding documents and not have it watered down to death with globalist garbage, which is why we must never, ever allow the Constitution to be opened up for a total revamp. Can you imagine what would happen to it? This is why a constitutional convention must never be called. Back to Africa. The independent countries of Africa have become less so with the advent of the African Union. We reported on this in the October 5, 2015 issue of The New American. At the time, Alex Newman wrote, The continent of Africa is being unified economically and politically under an EU-style continental regime beyond the reach of citizens. Known formally as the African Union, the plot to eliminate national sovereignty and what little self-government exists on the continent has been in full swing in recent years. And the entire integration agenda is, in fact, being supported and financed by the Obama administration, the European Union, and the communist dictatorship ruling mainland China. None of these powers have the interests of Africans in mind. Alex also reminded us that all of the regional union regimes are being created by and for the benefit of globalists who claim they are working for free trade while building their transnational bureaucracies. And ultimately, the end game involves bringing all of the regions into a single global system, as countless globalists have made perfectly clear. In Africa's developments, there are many lessons to learn for those who wish to understand the new world order being imposed on humanity and the deceptive process through which it is occurring. The road to a regional regime in Africa has begun, much as it did in Europe, by using deception to erect transnational governmental institutions under the guise of peace, free trade, and prosperity. Again, these types of unions are entangling alliances that our founding fathers said to avoid. If America gets this far down the globalist road, our God-given rights will no longer be protected. The Constitution and the Declaration of Independence will mainly be swept away. We must remember and heed the advice from Patrick Henry, who said, The Constitution is not an instrument for the government to restrain the people. 
It is an instrument for the people to restrain the government, lest it come to dominate our lives and interests. Folks, without Americanism, we will be under tyranny, plain and simple. So while the media is having you look to Ukraine and Russia, look closely at what else is going on. We must never allow anyone to open up the Constitution nor join any alliance that either violates the constitutional limitations placed on government or abrogates the constitutional powers bestowed upon the federal branches of government. Members of the John Birch Society have fought for decades to expose the tools of the globalists as well as to stop our so-called conservative friends from harming American independence as well as harming the founding documents. We teach that the Constitution is to be obeyed, not changed. Our American heritage is too great to lose. To reign in the federal government is to obey the Constitution. It's really that simple. To get government to obey the Constitution is to have an electorate that holds them accountable and state legislators that nullify anything outside of the constitutional limitations. That is where you'll find the John Birch Society working together to create a more informed electorate of those limitations and how to obey the Constitution. Now, your help is needed, so we ask you to join today to become part of a nationwide effort to protect and restore American freedom. Learn more by visiting jbs.org and applying for membership today. Links are in the video description. I'm Bill Hahn for the John Birch Society. Until next time, stay informed, stay active, and get organized, patriots.